Yeah, thanks, Mindy. That was a wonderful prayer. It is a gift to be the family of God together. It was, it's been a month since my family and I joined you, and I just want to say thank you. It's been a gift for us in the four weeks that we've been here. Um, just felt such a great warm welcome from you, and so many of you have been praying for us and appreciate that so much. And uh, yeah, it's just, it is a great joy to be together as the family of God here. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to open them up to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. And as you're doing that, I just want to ask you a question. Have you ever received a gift before that you weren't quite sure how to respond to receiving? Hmm. When I was approaching my 21st birthday and I was about to move out of my parents' home, my mom, she was so excited to give me my birthday present before I moved out. And I have to admit that her excitement, her anticipation, it raised my expectations, right? And I remember even the box that it came in. It was really large and unusually heavy. And this didn't help either, right? I was getting really excited. What could my parents have gotten me for my birthday that had my mom this excited? So when I unwrapped the gift, the box had a picture of a set of dishes on the side. But, but I was certain this was not the gift. This was not the gift. This was just the box that my parents had used for it. So I tore that box open with even greater enthusiasm, wondering what could lay beneath the cardboard, only to discover that, yes, indeed, it was a set of dishes. Needless to say, I was disappointed. But more than that, I was confused. Confused, like, by my mom's enthusiasm and her anticipation. Why was she so excited to give me a set of dishes? And why would she think that I would be just as happy to receive them? I just didn't understand. And most unfortunately, this was one of those moments where my facial expression didn't match the one that she was hoping to get from me. That doesn't go over well. But today, you know, more than 20 years later, uh, all that remains from that 32-piece set of dishes are a couple of dinner plates and a coffee mug that I have in the office that I use every day here at work. And I admit that I now have a greater appreciation for that gift than I did on the day that I received it. I now understand how useful the gift was. I cherish the memories of meals eaten off of those plates with friends, of the countless sips of coffee while I was preparing sermons. I have also this better understanding of my mom's enthusiasm, her excitement to give it to me. But when I was 21 years old, I wasn't ready to receive a gift like this, or to put it another way, I couldn't see it for the gift that it was. And I think that the same thing could be said about joy. Joy is also a gift that many people don't understand. When we search the scriptures and we see accounts of people experiencing joy, they don't fit our paradigms. Like people who are full of joy after being persecuted. Or what about when we hear stories about Christians who are dying, whether of old age or from disease, 
And they aren't angry or depressed, but they are marked by something that could only be described as joy. For those who are looking on, observing these people, this joy doesn't seem to make sense. It can be confusing. And what I think we see in this passage that we're going to be looking at this morning is that joy is a gift that you need to be ready to receive. It's a gift that you need to be ready to receive. So let's look at Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 66. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation, and he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. And they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he's to be called John. They said to her, there is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. And all the neighbors were filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, What then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. Well, thanks be to God for his word. Well, like many words that we use today, joy is one that could be understood in a variety of ways by different people. So we need to understand what the Bible means when it uses this word joy. The Bible's understanding of joy, it's, it's not straightforward. It's complex, and it is often experienced among life's complexities. Biblical joy, it's not primarily this feeling like an emotion, like happiness or pleasure. C.S. Lewis says that joy has one characteristic in common with happiness and pleasure, and that's the fact that once anyone has experienced it, they're going to want it again. And biblical joy, it's also not something that a person can obtain through their own means. Like you can't obtain this joy by going out and buying something like a new car or even a new bicycle or a vacation, right? You can't get it by accomplishing something like getting your dream job or finishing your degree or finding that relationship. 
the best way that I can explain biblical joy is that it is an experience that results from an encounter with God or his kingdom. An experience that results from an encounter with God or his kingdom. It is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we see in this passage. People who are gifted joy as a result from an encounter with the heavenly. But to fully understand what's happening in our passage today, we need to go back a little bit and recall some of the events that happened prior to these verses that I read to us this morning. At the beginning of Luke's gospel, Zechariah, who is a priest, he's ministering in the temple and he's visited by an angel, Gabriel, telling him that his wife Elizabeth will become pregnant and she will give birth to a son who will become very important and they are to give him the name John. John, Zechariah is told, will grow into a great prophet. He will be full of the Holy Spirit and he will prepare God's people for the coming of the Messiah, Israel's great rescuer. But there's something else we need to know. Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth, they are old and they have been unable to conceive children. So he questions the angel because Zechariah, he's got his doubts about this. And because of this, because of these doubts, the angel strikes him mute. Elizabeth, however, she does become pregnant, and we see from her response in Luke chapter 125, unlike her husband, she has faith to recognize that God has done something miraculous for her and Zechariah. She says, the Lord has done this for me. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Then the scene shifts. This time God sends his angel Gabriel not to an old man, but to a young girl, a virgin named Mary. And she is told that she will also give birth to a son. And the angel describes this child in terms that Israelites everywhere would have recognized and associated with God's promised Messiah, saying he will be called the son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, that he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, that his kingdom will never end. And to top this all off, she is to give him the name Jesus, which means the Lord saves. After hearing the angel's pronouncement, Mary's curious. Like, how will this happen? Since she understands how babies are made and she has never had sex. So the angel says that it is the Holy Spirit that will conceive the baby in her so that this child will not be the son of a man, but be the son of God. And as a way of confirming to Mary that she's not dreaming all of this up, that God is indeed doing miraculous things, the angel tells Mary about Elizabeth's implausible pregnancy. Unlike Zechariah, Mary, this young woman, she doesn't doubt the angel's news or what God is capable of. But like Elizabeth, by faith, Mary welcomes this. And now we pick things back up in today's passage, where we see people who are gifted joy as a result of an encounter with the heavenly. And the first person that we see in today's passage who is responding to this joy, it's very surprising it's little in utero John. Elizabeth, she's at least six months pregnant with John, 
But despite not having seen the light of day, John is already fulfilling his calling. He is already going before the Lord, preparing people for Jesus' coming. Despite the confines of his mother's tummy, John is leaping for joy. And the angel told Zechariah that John would be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he was born, it says in Luke 1.15. Now, we shouldn't be surprised that someone who is filled with the Spirit is ready to welcome what God is doing and able to receive the gifts of joy. That shouldn't surprise us. What is surprising is that John isn't even born, and yet he is already filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, certainly John is a special case. However, I would suggest that this is one scripture that affirms our position of being for life. We are for life. Whether it's the lives of unborn children or those suffering from illness or nearing death, we don't know how or when the Spirit moves in a person. So who are we to say when a life has value or not? God's Spirit does not discriminate based on age or physical condition. So then neither should we. But here lies the key for being able to receive God's gift of joy. In order to value the gift for what it's worth, to really appreciate it and accept this gift, you've got to be prepared for it. You have to be ready to receive it. And you can only be ready to receive the joy that comes from God through faith. It's the kind of faith one that is ready to receive from God, ready to believe him that we see in both Elizabeth and Mary when they find out that they're pregnant. But ironically, their faith is contrasted by Zechariah's lack of faith. Zechariah, the priest. If anybody in this story should have been able to be expected to have this great faith, faith that believes in miracles, that God is still active and up to things in this world, it should have been Zechariah. And it's not lost on me as a pastor. This hits pretty close to home. But what this should tell us is that genuine faith, it has nothing to do with age, education, gender, or standing, or position. And so we cannot let things like this excuse us or count us out from trusting God and taking great steps of faith. What Mary and Elizabeth show us is that faith is way more about the one who we put our confidence in than it is about who we are. It's about the one we put our confidence in. And they have placed their faith in God, and he has shown he is totally worthy of it. This account also shows us that the joy that John, Elizabeth, and Mary all experience is as a result of an encounter with God and his kingdom. John leaps for joy at the sound of Mary's voice, but it's not Mary that has John all excited, but rather it's the Holy Spirit in John and the nearness of Jesus inside of Mary. As Elizabeth stated, the mother of my Lord has come near to me. Mary recognizes her encounter with God in her song when she sings, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. And then in verse 58, Elizabeth, it says, Elizabeth's neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. So sure, 
Mary and Elizabeth, they are both thankful for their pregnancies, but it's God's presence in their lives that they both highlight. The fact that he notices them, that God cares for them, and that he has shown them great mercy that has them delighting in this gift of joy. You see, not all women who would have found themselves in the same circumstances as Mary and Elizabeth would have considered their pregnancies to be a joyful thing. Remember, Mary's not married. She's only engaged. She has her future, her reputation to think about. And as for Elizabeth, while having a pregnancy at her age, it's far riskier. And it's doubtful that she and Zechariah have the same kind of energy needed to raise a child that they once had. So without faith, Mary and Elizabeth may have looked at their pregnancies that God had given them, kind of like I had looked at those dishes that my mom had given me. Rather than being received with joy, they may have just been confused or maybe even disappointed. Without faith, they would not have been able to receive their children for the incredible gifts from God that they were. And without faith, you and I, we cannot receive God's gifts for what they truly are either. But they do. And they're not overwhelmed by the risks that their pregnancies present them with. Because as they say, God has been mindful of them. He has shown them great mercy in the past. And so they can trust that he will continue to do so in the present and in the future. And we can have the same confidence that they had. The question that this passage, you know, asks us, I don't, think it's, I don't think it's, will God give us gifts of joy? I don't think that's the question we should be asking. I don't think it's, will God be mindful of us? Or will we have experiences with God? I think the answer to all of those questions, it's a resounding yes. Yes, we will. Yes, we have. In fact, that's Jesus, right? Jesus is God's gift to us. Sending Jesus shows us that God, he's been mindful of us. He has taken notice of us. He knows how much we need him, how much we need to be shown how to live, how much we need his, his grace and his mercy, his forgiveness in our lives that can only be had through Christ. God has given us the gift of joy through Christ and through his Holy Spirit. But I think the question this passage begs us to ask is, are we ready to receive those gifts? Are we, like Mary and Elizabeth, prepared to receive from God because we are placing our faith and hope in him? Are we believing that God is still active in our day, that he still is doing miracles, and yes, he can even do them in our lives? Or is our faith like Zechariah's, skeptical, even a little pessimistic, you know, surely intellectually, I believe that God is capable of doing something special in our world and even in our lives, but chances are he won't. That is not the kind of faith I want. That's the kind of faith that I'm tempted to have, but it's not the kind of faith I want. That kind of faith, it's mediocre. It's not full of the Spirit, and it's joyless. The kind of faith that I want, it trusts in God. It's the kind of faith that jumps for joy in his presence like John did. It's the kind that's full of the Holy Spirit like Elizabeth. It's the kind that sings 
of his mighty deeds both in my life and in this world like Mary does in her song. This is the kind of faith that recognizes that when it has an encounter with the divine, it is the kind of faith that experiences real joy. And it is the authentic faith that our Father in heaven, who gives us good gifts, offers to each one of us. Whether we've never considered ourselves a follower of Christ before, or maybe we've been following him for our whole lives, but have never experienced this kind of joy, he offers it to each one of us today. And what I love about this passage is the fact that Zechariah's story, it's not over. Sure, he's not the great model of faith from the very outset of this passage, but in those months while his mouth was shut and while his wife's belly continued to grow, so did his faith. And we need to remember that faith is all about the one we put our confidence and our trust in. It is not about ourselves. And God was showing Zechariah that he is worthy of great faith. At the end of this chapter, Zechariah gets his opportunity to demonstrate his, his trust is in God by naming the child John, just as the angel had instructed him to do it. And immediately after that, he's able to speak again. And he now uses his newfound freedom to do the most appropriate thing, singing God's praises. Zechariah's story should remind us we're never too far gone. We are never too old. It is never too late to trust God, to take steps of faith and experience his joy. Oh, that God would increase each of our faith, that he would fill us with his Holy Spirit and give us these gifts of joy. So how do we then become these people ready to receive gifts of joy? Well, if it is, like I said earlier, that it's received by faith, then it means that we need to be people who are continually look, looking to grow and mature in our faith. One of the things I think Mary and Elizabeth demonstrate to us is that humility is a huge part of this. Mary demonstrates her humility in her willingness and availability to be used by God, while Elizabeth's humility stands out because she recognizes that she doesn't even deserve to be where she finds herself. She says in verse 43, but why am I so favored? Why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord would come to me? So you and I, we grow in humility the same way by being willing and available to be used by God, but also recognizing our unworthiness and God's greatness. I also think humility is probably what helped Zechariah to come around in the end. All those months in silence, not speaking, but reflecting on what the angel said, what was going on in his own home, right? It probably caused him to reevaluate his position. And I think that's something that we often need to do, each one of us, to take time to reevaluate our positions. And I think oft, we, the best way to do this is by what happened to Zechariah by being quick to listen and slow to speak. So we grow in our faith and we mature in it through humility, but we also grow by reading the scriptures. Now Mary's song, which we didn't go into great detail this morning, it demonstrates Mary 
has, she is such a wise young woman. She has a phenomenal understanding of God's word. She has searched the scriptures which spoke of God's mercy and hope, victory over evil, and his coming to the rescue at last. And so like Mary, we also need to be people who are steeped in the word so that we can also recognize these encounters with God's kingdom when they happen to us. And then finally, like most things in life, I think we get better with practice. And I think this also includes getting better at receiving gifts of joy. So practicing receiving these gifts of joy. And so we need to rejoice. I think of rejoicing as different than the initial feeling of joy that we experience when we have an encounter with God. Rejoicing is something that you and I, we can do it over and over and over again, regardless of how we feel. Like, I no longer experience the same feelings that I have had from past encounters with God, but I can recall those moments. I can give him thanks for those times, and I can praise him for what he has done, and I can rejoice over them again and again and again. And this is also something that we can do with others, right? We join with them in celebrating what God has done in our lives and in their lives. And in this passage, it says that Elizabeth's friends and family did that with her. Her neighbors and her relatives, they heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. And so we need to do that. We need to share one another's joy often, probably more often than we, than we do right now. And so We need to tell each other about these encounters that we're having with the living God and with his kingdom and rejoice together. And as we do these three things, as we grow in humility, as we grow in the knowledge of the scriptures, and as we rejoice with one another, I trust that God will continue to mold and shape us as individuals, but also as a community into the kind of people who are ready to receive his gifts of joy. Would you stand with me? And when we pray and worship team, you guys can come on up. Father, thank you so much for your good gifts. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for the body of Christ that we get to be a part of. We love you so much and that you desire not just to uh, have us be obedient, but you're a father who not only loves, but knows how to give good gifts. So thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We praise you and help us to see, give us eyes to see and ears to hear where there's gifts you've already given us that maybe have flown under our radar. Help us to be people who are not only marked by joy, but by gratefulness too, to the God who loves us. And so we want to do what Zechariah did. We want to praise you because you are worthy. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.